Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know, when I started as a broadcaster, I approached it exactly as I did a, a, an athlete. Um, or if you want to get more specific, as like a, a hitter uh, in baseball. And that is be, be really analytical about what you do well and what you don't do well and seek coaching. That's today's guest, sports broadcaster Rich Waltz. Welcome to Dan Dickow's Quarantine Series on the Scorebook Live Today podcast. As the world, particularly the world of sports, is shut down due to the coronavirus, we're ramping things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Every weekday, Dan interviews an expert in the world of sports, from star hoopers and coaches like Steve Kerr, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Christie, to seven-time Mr. Olympia bodybuilder Phil Heath. We hope you're entertained and maybe learn a thing or two as we navigate these uncertain times. The easiest way to tune in is by subscribing. In addition to our weekly Washington High School Sports News and Conversation podcast released Thursdays, hosted by myself, Andy Bueller, fellow reporter Todd Millis, Dan is bringing you interviews just like this one delivered five days a week. Head to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe for free, and while you're there, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get to Dan's interview today, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a local bank and portfolio lender with more than 200 branches across eight states, more than 32,000 fee-free ATMs, 24-7 online and mobile banking with drive-up ATMs. And Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live. They care deeply about high school sports and the communities that support them across the entire state of Washington. Head to wfdbank.com to learn how they can help you meet your financial goals. That's wafdbank.com. Washington Federal, a neighbor you can count on. We hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Now, Dan Dickow. Dan Dickow, Scorebook Live, Washington. Today, our podcast during the quarantine series. If you're a frequent listener, you know that we bring experts in different fields in the world of sports, whether it's a coach, an athlete. Uh, today, we have a broadcaster, somebody who's a three-time Emmy winner, has called sports uh, from high school to college to the pros in football, basketball, ba- baseball, you name it. He's got experience in that area None other than Rich Waltz. Rich, how's everything today over in the Seattle area? It's great, but you know, you left one thing off of that resume, and that's the fact that I work with the esteemed Dan Dickow. So. <laughs> uh, I won't go that far. I know we've had a, a chance to call a number of games the last couple yep. of years for college basketball, and it's, uh, it's always fun working with you because you're unbelievably prepared. You're a true professional, and you've given me a tremendous amount of um, nuggets of how I can improve in the world of broadcasting. So I appreciate that. And I'm going to throw the compliments right back to you. All right. (laughs) So let's get started here. You are somebody that I think has a unique path to get into the broadcasting world. And the reason I say that is because you grew up in the Bay area and knowing your story a little bit, you played multi multiple sports, Um, but you played college baseball at UC Davis when you look at your youth growing up as an athlete, did you think you would get into the broadcast world or how did that end up occurring? 
you know, I look, I grew up in a great area with all the, the colleges there and the pro teams. And I was, a, my dad was a college baseball player. So I was immersed in sports uh, more so than my brothers or my sister. Um, and I played them all. So I was a point guard in, in high school and a, a wide receiver in high school and a, a shortstop as well in high school. Really wanted to play college baseball and uh, played four years. Uh, I went to a really high level junior college for two because I wasn't a great baseball player uh, coming out of high school. And the, the, the two years at that high level JC, um, you know, in California, especially the junior college baseball is really high level, uh, were terrific for me and then went on to UC Davis. And, and it wasn't until the end of my college career, I was a good college uh, shortstop. And, um, but I wasn't a great one and I wasn't a draft uh, pick. So I was gonna go to law school, I was pre-law. That, that kind of was my target. And it got down to that last, you know, quarter of schooling. And my dad was a lawyer and he just had a miserable lifestyle. And, and I, just, <laughs> I just said to myself, man, I, I don't wanna do that. And I would rather try to have fun at making a living. And um, I wanted, I had a burning desire to get to the big leagues and, and was passed over obviously in, in the draft. So. I just kind of said, you know what? I think I can be a broadcaster there in the big leagues. That seems like a really fun job. And, and there was a lot of um, probably naivete and, and just blind faith. And I jumped into it. I did a little bit of stuff on the student station and before I got my degree at Davis and, and just dove into minor league sports. I was lucky enough to get a job in, in your hometown now, Spokane, Washington, doing minor league hockey which led to minor league baseball, which led to small college football and basketball on, on radio. And uh, I climbed my way up the ladder. I did uh, two years of single A, a year of double A in Wichita, Kansas, three years of triple A in Las Vegas, all the while doing, still doing the minor league hockey and, and the college football was the voice of the Eastern Washington Eagles in football and basketball. That got me into regional television, doing events that nobody wanted to do. Uh, that got me to the Seattle Mariners pregame show. Uh, which got me into college sports, Pac-10 then, uh, and then ESPN called, and I was on my way. That's uh, kind of a nomadic lifestyle yes. that you talk about in the progression of going, you know, taking all those different steps. It's no different than a lot of coaches or athletes as they're kind of building uh, the early stages of their career to becoming somebody that's truly solidified in their profession. When you look back, was there ever a point that you knew you were about to break through and have a tremendous amount of, uh, of success? No, there, there, there really wasn't. And, and the thing that helped me the most uh, climb the ladder was my background in athletics. Because, um, you know, I was a, in all those sports, I was a good player, but I wasn't great. I wasn't a star. Uh, so I was always the guy that had to get better, that had to understand what a coach or uh, the offense we were running uh, needed. And so, you know, when I started as a broadcaster, I approached it exactly as I did a, a, an athlete. Um, or if you want to get more specific, as like a, a hitter uh, in baseball. And that is be, be really analytical about what you do well and what you don't do well and seek coaching. seek. Um, feedback you know find people that you trusted in the in the business or 
broadcasters that you liked or producers, executives that you uh, respected their opinion and get coached, you know, find out what don't I do well? What do I do well? So I don't change it, but what don't I do well? Where do I need to improve? And so every opportunity I had in the minor leagues and, and you're working every night in both baseball, hockey, and then the football and basketball, every chance I had, I would go into that game with, a, with one or two things to improve on. I need to get better at doing the lineups with little uh, bits of information. I need to be better. I need to be out in front of the play, not trailing uh, the play, um, stuff like that. And, and so my focus was, and, and again, I was pretty naive when I started. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to get to the big leagues and what the odds were. So I just focused on get better. And the only way to get better as an athlete was find out, analyze, whether it's through videotape or coaching, what do I need to do to improve? Or, you know, I'm sure you've had that talk with coaches coming up as an athlete where you walk into the coach's office and say, what, what do I need to do to get more playing time? And oftentimes the coach will just tell you the truth. Well, you're not, you know, you're not getting on base enough. Um, you know, the offense is stagnant when you've got the ball. You've got to do this. You've got to play better defense. And so the next day in practice, man, I'm, I'm making sure the ball's uh, getting passed and I'm making sure I'm playing defense and I'm making sure that I'm getting on base. And that's how I approached it as a broadcaster. And I still do that to this day. I'm, I'm still trying to get better every, every game. And that's, to me, the only way you can do it. You know, you said a couple things that, that really stuck out to me. Seeking coaching and feedback um, in any industry – uh, or profession, I think that's very, very important uh, for high school kids uh, or coaches preparing for games. You know, they need to keep seeking, seeking the, co the coaching and the feedback to improve. One thing that I don't think most casual fans understand for, for your line of work is just how much prep goes into preparing for a game. You talked about the seeking of the coaching and the feedback, and that's learning. But how do you pre prepare and gather all the information and learn it so on the fly when you see something happen, you can just explain it or call the action as opposed to maybe searching for information um, on the fly? You know, there's categories of things that I think every broadcaster has to check off before they do a game. But I, I put more weight in some of those categories than others, and probably I'm different than, than some broadcasters. And that's just the way I like to do games and the way I like to listen to games. So, look, we're all, we all want to know the, the story of the team, where they've been, what's their history, uh, what have they done recently. You all need to have a – you have to have a pretty good grasp of stats, who's hot, who's not, what do these teams do well statistically. Um, you need to know something about the coaches, uh, about, you know, both teams. Uh, and obviously you've got to be prepared with stats, but I'm not a big stats guy. If you look at my sheets when, when we do games, I don't have a lot of stats written down on them. I'll have some important ones down. And those ones that I usually put down help me tell the story of that team. But if it's a minute stat and it's in the notes, I know where to find it if I need it. Uh, and I really, you know, unless something weird happens, I probably don't need it. The, the important thing for me is talking to coaches, talking to players. 
because you, you, it, that obviously with players, you get stories, you get a, a player's perspective on, Hey, I'm struggling with my shot, but here's what we've worked on. Hey, I'm, I've, I'm oh for my last 12, but you know, I've changed where my hands are. That's a story that, um, uh, and, and something you can use for a struggling player to illuminate that, hey, look, he's struggling, he knows he's struggling, or she knows she's not shooting the ball well, but here's how they're, they're trying to address it. So, um, and, and the important thing is, the other thing I, I hold great importance to is game plan, and that is find out what, what the team runs offensively, find out what they're going to do against the other team, what are the concerns, what are the matchups they like, a lot of coaches will give you a ton of game plan and X's and O's. Some of that stuff you can't use on the air, but at least it gives you perspective of where to go. And, and, and I'll tell you this, and, and that's the reason that I'm, I'm more storytelling and strategy. Those are the two things that I really value. Um, um, and the reason I do that is in this day and age, when you do a game, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, the listener or the viewer at home has just as much access to stats and information as you do. And in fact, that viewer can get to that information faster than you can because you're calling the game, right? But what that viewer does not have is access. That viewer can't go down and talk to um, Dave Roberts uh, and, and ask him about uh, the Dodgers lineup. That viewer can't go talk to Mark Few and find out how is he, he's going to use his two bigs today against um, North Carolina. Uh, that viewer doesn't have the ability to, to talk to a quarterback in a, in a meeting, a pre-production meeting, and ask him who his favorite receiver is and why, or what's his favorite pattern and, and what's the play that he likes to call when he, or that he really wants to run when, when they need a first down. That to me is the, 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 you know, that's the stuff. That's the stuff that the viewer doesn't have access to and that we do. And so I value that more than I do, you know, what's, what's Dan Dickow's shooting in the last two minutes uh, of close games. Um, now, I'm sure it's pretty good. And I'm sure <laughs> if you hit a couple jumpers, I can find that number pretty quickly. But I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time um, you know, filling up my score sheet with stats that you're never going to use or don't really tell the story of the team or the players. Yeah, I think that's a really unique perspective that you shared with us on how you prepare for a game and your big picture look at it. Uh, I thought that was really good. Now, I mentioned you've, you've called multiple sports at multiple levels. Uh, I'm sure there's a game or two or an athlete or two that has really stuck out to you over the course of your career? Give me an example of, of each. Well, you know, games, uh, there are big games and, and moments. When I was at ESPN College, college football, I had a, a few, you know, Hail Marys for big, big touchdowns or incredible upsets that knocked it. Remember Minnesota beating Penn State at Penn State when Penn State was number two in the country and was a lock to go to what was then the, the national championship game. Uh, I even forget what they used to call that, where it was just the two teams. Um, I've called five no-hitters in a perfect game in, in the major leagues, Roy Halladay's perfect game, and, and some really uh, consequential games and such. Um, when Bonds was on his tear, I was doing stuff for ESPN and, and had, 
I, I forget the numbers, but like home run number 65 and 67 and stuff like that. Um, the most unbelievable thing that I've seen was in the World Baseball Classic, and it was uh, for MLB Network. It was 2009, and it was down in Puerto Rico. It was the, um, the Netherlands, a team from the Netherlands, who had one ex-big leaguer and a bunch of beer leaguers playing the Dominican Republic in the finals of that first round and they beat him twice and the Dominican lineup was Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes, Big Poppy was literally a major league all-star team and these guys from the Netherlands took him down twice the first time they beat him was like oh my gosh it's really a fluke and then the next night they had to beat him again and you thought there's no way they would do it and they were down the whole game they scored a run in the ninth and then beat Carlos Marmol in like the 10th inning which just unbelievable and so that even though it's not a huge thing that it, it is on the, the sports radar that was the most unbelievable um thing and you know athletes uh, in baseball i can start there it's, you know in seattle i was with the mariners so I, I saw griffey and and randy johnson and all those guys ichiro arriving and i got, i was fortunate enough to have ichiro in miami for three years including when he hit his three thousandth uh, hit um and and the you know the the one guy that really is would stand out to me is jose fernandez the the uh, young pitcher in, in miami who was the dominant pitcher and the best pitcher in baseball in that short brief time that he was alive and um you know obviously tragic uh, decision by him and and uh his untimely death was uh was awful but just seeing him on a on a every five days do things that you've never seen done before is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's uh it's a unique perspective that someone like you has um, when you get to know some of these players, you see the preparation that they do and then they go out um, and have a magical performance or same thing with the team has a magical performance. Um, last question before uh, I let you go and we really appreciate your time today. Most players become nervous before a big game. And I think that's important. It, it shows that you care. As a broadcaster, having called thousands of games over the years, do you still get nervous before you hear in your ear from the producer, three, two, one, go? Yeah, I, um, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I, there's probably some of that. I get excited. I get it's as an, it's the same feeling I got as a player in high school and in college was right before the game. There's that, you know, your mouth gets dry. You're, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you understand what's coming. And I think for, um, you know, there's two things that happened to me when right before a game, number one, I get that excited feeling, but number two, I've, I've always, and I think it's because of where I started and, and where I've been, I always look around the stadium or the arena and I think to myself, how lucky am I? I'm getting paid to go to a ball game and here I am in the big leagues or in the major college venue. This is really cool. And that kind of adds to the excitement. And, and I think what that does for me is it helps focus the, uh, your attention and your, and your preparation. It, it's like a, you know, doing a game is, I think you've learned in your perspective as a college student and now an athlete and now a broadcaster, 
it's like preparing for an exam. You, you, you know, there's a, you reach a point where you've done enough preparation, you know, you're ready. Um, and, and just before you start it, you're much better at trying to calm yourself a little bit with still some anticipation uh, for what's ahead. I don't know if that's how you did it at Gonzaga, but uh, my, my guess is uh, it, it's kind of the same feeling is, you know, you check most of the boxes, you're, you're, you're better off at that point, just reading and reacting and, and, and going from there. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of uh, proper preparation is going to prevent a poor performance. And, and if you do those things, you feel confident, you feel ready and you'll have a, a good, uh, outcome you'll have a good uh performance regardless of it's a broadcast or you're an athlete in the game or if it's a coach making decisions so rich really appreciate all the time uh look forward to getting through these uncertain times in this country so that first i can watch you calling baseball and football games but then we'll be calling college basketball games again uh next season with cbs sports i'm sure so thanks again for your time hopefully you and your family stay safe and enjoy uh, the Seattle area during these uh, sunny days. All right, Dan, thank you. You and I had a fun season this year, and I, and I look forward to, to next year. Stay safe, and when uh, everything opens up, get a haircut, all right? <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.